Excitement abounds here on the Carolina Outdoors, and we're glad that you are joining in. Of course, each week, your host, Wes Lawson and Bill Barty, we come in to talk about the Carolina Outdoors, the things that are happening in the outdoors, and the people that are helping make those things happen. We hang our hat through the week at an outfitter store here based in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Jesse Brown's Outdoors in the South Park area of Charlotte, but it's also active and vibrant via the website, jessebrowns.com. We invite you to head over there and check it out and enjoy some savings along the way and also some good information that we're going to be putting out there a little bit later on. But the information that we're going to be talking about today or this segment is a fish that lacks a swim bladder. And why does that matter? Because that means that this fish must be in constant motion, which makes this fish phenomenally strong. They're fast-growing and short-lived, but Wes Lawson, our very own, is on his way in pursuit of false albacore with hundreds of other Mm. Carolina-destined anglers. We're going to find out why this fish, besides this lack of a swim bladder and it being in constant motion, making it so powerful and strong, but how do we pursue it? What boats are we going to be in? What equipment? Of course, through the week at Jesse Brown's, we are strong promoters of fly fishing. Mm -hmm. Fly rods, fly reels, fly line, fly leader, fly tippet. If you don't know what any of that is, stop by Jesse Brown's. We're glad to explain. We also have conventional tackle Mm -hmm. as well. But the heart and soul of the inventory at Jesse Brown's is based on fly rotting. So maybe we can come at it from that perspective, at least to start with. Tell us about preparing the excitement and who's going to be on this fantastic pursuit of this super strong false albacore. Yeah, these little fish, Bill, they're kind of like a... uh a football running back and they kind of look like a football almost but so you know if you're a Panthers fan or now a 49ers fan you know Christian McCaffrey (laughs) he's not the biggest guy on the field but he certainly is fast and he hits hard and he can go a long way that's what the false albacore is like you know it's it is a beautiful blend of colors it's iridescent there's some purples and greens and black and silver and then it has these sort of little nubby spines on the back but it dips down to a tail that is the perfect handle to grab that fish and pull it out of the water, which is so great. Now, you mentioned not having a swim bladder and that constant motion. Once you grab that thing by the tail, take a picture, get the hook out, you then do essentially throw it face first back in the water so it really activates and oxygenates those gills. If you just gently lay one back down like we do with a river trout, it takes it a minute or two, or it feels like a minute or two, several seconds to kind of wake back up. So, yeah, for us down there at Cape Lookout, which right now is sort of the epicenter of this false albacore migration, you've got guides coming down from Cape Cod working down there for a few weeks, along with our sort of, some of our sort of local hero guides that are there almost year-round. Um, we'll be in a 22-foot center console. A lot of other folks will be in boats about that size. Some will be shore-based, taking a ferry over to uh, Cape Lookout or Shackleford Banks. We'll have a couple fly rods. Ten weights, uh, mostly because it's what we have, but also for the wind. 20 to 25 mile an hour sustained winds makes an eight weight kind of a tough proposition when you have to cast these these flies. And then we'll have some uh, pretty stout light tackle spinning gear as well because if the wind is really rough or if we need to fire off a couple of rods real quickly, 
it's hard to get multiple fly rides going all at once, but you can get two or three or four spinning reels out in the water at the same time with, with no questions. Nobody's going to get hung up or caught or anything. So uh, we'll have both of those because I'm sort of a uh, fishing, I would say like fishing atheist. I don't have a preferred religion to, to go by with this. I like fishing end of story. The preparation for this is a little bit of a mix. So uh, I'm, I like to fish with people who are better at fishing than I am. Why I like guides so much, but yeah. um, you know, we're, my son and I, my twelve-year-old uh, and my brother Adam, who used to be a sport fishing captain, big fifty-six-foot sport fisher, has the boat and he has a lot of the gear and the know-how. He does this trip fairly frequently, coming down from Virginia. Um, so it's a mix of his gear and mine, and. Some other stuff we'll pick up along the way. I may have to stop back by Jesse Brown's and load up on a few things, the right kind of leader and tip it. Um, the flies that I'll use are going to imitate Minhaden, Silver Size, Silver Sides, and Peanut Bunker, which are all little bait fish that that northeastern wind is going to blow in closer to shore because we're not going to be out in deep blue water. We're going to be inside the hook at Cape Lookout, the roughest part is running along Shackleford Bank in those rolling seas. This 22-foot center console is not designed for rolling seas like some of those captains have with their higher side, higher gunnel boats. So we're going to be kind of mindful of that. We may sneak in a different direction if we have to along Harker's Island there. It's a beautiful little ride in early in the morning. Feels good, looks good. And then it's all about getting bait patterns that look enough like what those false albacore hit to throw out into a bait ball that's being busted up by this explosion of false albacore because more often than not those false albacore are schooled up moving at high to very high speed trying to push those bunker or that menhaden either into a shallower area where they can feed quickly or into the higher part of the water column where they can just bust through that so what we're actually looking for is um really choppy water that doesn't belong there, and also potentially birds diving down trying to get any of the stragglers. And then you just bomb in a few flies or you lure into that and start actively retrieving. Odds are somebody's going to answer that call and hook up. The voice you hear right there, Wes Lawson, I'm Bill Barty. We're talking about false albacore fishing off the North Carolina coast. So Harker's Island, you mentioned it, Cape Lookout, all of that's a hot spot. But this migration starts much earlier in the autumn in September in Cape Cod. So these fish, these huge schools of fish start up there and they have migrated south and they'll continue to migrate south. In fact, in Florida, the false albacore is uh, thought of as a trash fish, mm -hmm. mainly because of it, the poor meat, uh, poor yeah. table quality. It does not good does not taste good, but what a fish fight it is. So in regards to uh, recreational sport fishing, it is a wonderful pursuit. But Wes, I wanted to ask you, because many times in the outdoors, many of our listeners are utilizing the outdoors for escape. They are getting out there for personal challenge, to be in nature, to get away from the city, to get away from uh, the rat race, if you will. But then many times we end up talking about places like the Appalachian Trail. Through hiking on the Appalachian Trail is made up a large, of a large community of hikers. Key in on large community. And that is 
uh, a large community that heads outdoors and gets on the trail. You can space out, and you do have some solo time on the Appalachian Trail, but many times you may be social hiking Mm -hmm. with somebody Mm -hmm. else. This migration of fish that's coming from Cape Cod, moving down south, brings, as you mentioned, many of the professionals, guides from up there, guides from here, who can take an eight-week window and make a solid living running clients during that window. Yep. And I wanted to ask you about the traffic from yeah. from putting your boat in the water, however that works, to etiquette. Etiquette on the water when you have boats all chasing the same pods of fish around. Is there any, and, and also let me point out, the territorialism, yeah. if I made that up, of guides who are like, hey, I was here. What are you doing here? Or you need to be over there because I'm over here. You know, luckily for this, the fish move around so much even within that that space there, that hook behind Cape Lookout, that you're never really stationary. Um, so all the boats are constantly kind of just barely in gear, trolling around. And while you're motoring around, you are giving everybody plenty of space once the fishing kicks up, you know, you can expect to see all those other boats start to kind of slowly make their way towards you. But everybody's going to play along. They're, they're going to try their best to not cross your fish path, uh, to not cast across your lines. And I was not prepared for the level of sort of conviviality and, and companionship that happened there where people would, would yell to you, good job. They'd ask what you were using. They'd cheer you along, and they'd back the boat up versus... There are times, like think about like the, the Boca Grande Pass tarpon fishing where everybody's jammed into the, they're together, right. mm. they're talking trash, there's going to be a fight. That doesn't happen. So that's always been really good. And by and large, at least from my perspective, it's easy to tell who the professional guides are. And at least for us, we try to always give them a little bit of extra space because for us, this is a fun thing. For them, it is a livelihood, um, but they're they're really good, and they're really good at at repositioning. And you know, unless you really do something awful, they're gonna. It's all gonna be just fine. They're they're good at what they do to avoid what you're talking about. I think in other fisheries and for other species, right. that territorialism does come out to play, and that can be kind of gross. Yes, it can. Hey, there is a bit of an argument going on too because <laughs> some people are writing in that uh, they uh, that false albacore are all that bad as far as eating tuna fish salad with false albacore it's all in preparation you need to bleed the fish immediately after being caught cut all the dark meat off let the raccoons eat that and then you prepare the rest voila fresh tuna somebody else said these fish taste great if you know how to prep and cook them We've caught all kinds of fish, grouper, snapper, and more, but we ate the little tunny first. So, hey, Hmm. some people would argue with the Florida uh, uh, guides and and anglers who say that false albacore is bad eating. Um, Other people are are asking for uh, false albacore recipes. I don't have that. We'll have to work on that. it's, It's just a great fish to catch and release and have some fun with. There are some bluefish moving in there, and bluefish are kind of like false albacore in that regard you can you know if you know how to cook it it's not bad at all but you can definitely overdo that fish and it get a little rough (laughs) he's wes lawson i'm bill barty you're listening to the carolina outdoors